Holy City Sound Off, episode seven. We're back. We are sounding off episode seven, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you are having a wonderful Tuesday evening. We have a lot of fun things to talk about this episode. Andrew, my man, how are you? Are you are you excited about this battery playoff? Oh my here? yeah, let's. I mean, I'm excited. I know the battery fans are excited, and it is a great night to talk about everything battery and other USL news. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a. Uh, it's just feels good. Huh? It feels good. I mean, we we've been supporting the club for the last year, I'd yeah. say. Um, just about, just yeah. about a year. And obviously like towards the end of last season, we saw where they sat and talking with the fans, talking with ownership, talking mm-hmm. with the current coach, Ben Pierman. I mean, they all mentioned their, their goal. Their goal was if, to make, if, to put battery at the top and that's where they're at right now. It did feel to me too, like based on the appointments that were being made, they were, they were definitely on the right track to say the least. And the season would, if nothing else be, uh, it would feature some much better football, which it already has uh, a lot more wins, which it already has definitely. Um, and, and more meaningful football, which I think right now fans are really excited about that. And obviously we'll get more into the game itself and the subsequent playoff push we're about to witness, but uh, jumping into some of the content, which I would say this as well. And we can take time to shout out how much better the battery have played this season and how good they've looked. I think it would be unfair to not also shout out that they've improved a lot on the social media side of things as well. Ben's been yeah. a lot of good content. Um, and I think that goes a really, really long way. You know, I think the owners, this is something the owners will understand. And I think a lot of the people on the business side will understand, but uh, you know, that, that makes a football team, a lot more likable is the social media, uh, their, their presence and the type of content they make. And, you know, this year they're getting after it. Every time they get a win, they'll put up a funny graphic kind of like shitting on the city. That <laughs> Grayson, they, like, you gotta love yeah. Grayson's, uh, uh, graphic design. Um, I, I still love like when the, it, I forget, I think it was like the rowdies one where the ship is like sinking into the water Yeah, <laughs> or the yeah, hammer. Maybe. I forgot who, I forget what the hammer was or the hammer and the nail. Uh, yeah, that was great. But the, yeah, the gra- post game graphics are like instant and they're mm-hmm. like, they're perfect. They're good laugh. And you make a good point. They are instant. So like if you could go back and pick out the few losses battery have had in big games. You're like, damn, I know Ben was cooking something for that game that he didn't get to. Oh yeah. It was Grace. Grayson. Grace is on that. Grayson. Front. Yeah. 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 Shout out Grayson. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they've been top to bottom the football's been really good but i think a huge part of the actual growth and and probably more and more fans going is obviously the shipping containers as i pointed out <laughs> but uh their ability to just make a splash on social media the latest of which came uh in the form of a very funny mic tip video featuring maybe i mean howler's podcast favorite this guy uh, <laughs> uh the, again the story for those of you who are new here this is the reason why the reason why i'm such a big uh daniel kuzemka fan when we did our first uh, appearance as howlers you know podcasters we were on the sideline we had our camera and i think we as a unit felt a little starstruck i know myself (laughs) i turned around i mean there was like swaths of people sitting in the stands a lot of them were like looking at me like what's this guy doing here why he's got a camera (laughs) uh and i was a little bit nervous but uh coos turned our way we 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 were waving at him he he, like gave us a nod and we're like we're the howlers podcast he goes i know who y'all are yeah yeah damn that's sick that's a huge confidence booster 
Then I started bossing people around, <laughs> telling them where to go. No, uh, Coos leads that's all. Like a, Coos leads all. It, that's that's a good memory of mine, honestly. And it goes. I think you know more players should have moments like that. You know, with the crowd, even if it's a twenty-eight-year-old grown man like me. <laughs> um, but the video was hysterical. What were your thoughts on that? I thought it was. Um, I thought it was hilarious. I, I, we talked about it. I think I talked about it with Ben like off air, and I think we were mm-hmm. talking about it on air. You and me and Connor and content like that it just makes you closer to the players obviously it's like usl teams they have a really tight-knit community to begin with but when you get to see training footage when you get to see the humor you know obviously they're, they're not going to say something outlandish but he was totally himself on the day in terms of like the shit he was saying cracking mm-hmm. jokes obviously he's probably a bit more humorous in those moments yeah. but um they picked the right guy to do they something picked the right, like that, yeah, that's for sure 100 percent. so um I, th- I thought it was I thought it was great content and I and I'm definitely uh, hoping for more of that and I think what they did but prior to that we talked about at the USL uh, like on the road all access with the Charleston battery I think that was awesome um, mm-hmm. so you get a bit of both of like seriousness and and fun and it just builds that connection with even more so like already like they already have such a tight knit connection with the local fans and the supporters groups um, the community as a whole so. Yeah, I thought they did exactly what we were talking about last or two weeks ago when we, we last recorded. Yeah, I mean, and to, to your point also, really, really easy to do stuff like that, you know, and that's stuff that kind of feels like in a way the most intimate way of getting to know a player. And Kuz, I'll say this, as somebody who has occasionally has got problems himself, <laughs> many people have tried to put me off of dairy and I don't think it's possible. <laughs> A glass of chocolate milk is too important to me to ever give up, regardless of what it does to me the rest of the day. Same with, I mean, ice cream as well. I could never see that. So, hey, respect, man. It may be dairy-free, but it, it's not the same. I will say that. Yeah, that was, uh, I was not expecting that the first, like, 30 seconds in. Um, yeah. The dairy comment. Rihanna, too. He was singing a little Rihanna. He was singing Rihanna. He made the Cinderella joke. Um, why is Cinderella afraid of... Why is she bad at soccer? And then Trey Muse was like, why? And he goes, because you ran away from the ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the worst jokes I think didn't, I've ever didn't heard. Really a reaction, didn't really elicit a reaction. Didn't really elicit a reaction from Muse. Uh, but that's no, okay. I mean, that's the know. stuff that makes you laugh regardless, even if you don't think it's funny. Like, it's funny that it's just happening. So um, it's just hilarious that they're both, that they're just their teammates and they're and a, a conversation like that went on, you know, <laughs> it's at any level. I mean, we've all played on sports teams and had some really low intelligence conversations with our teammates. <laughs> uh, and it never ends. Even if you're perfect, even at the professional level, you still uh, need to find some time to, to have a laugh, but yeah, keep it up. Everybody on, on the uh, battery side of things want to see much more of that, especially during this playoff push, which, uh, we can jump back into first the game. I mean, really solid overall, a satisfying, all wins are satisfying, but this one felt, I mean, with the clean sheet and just with the, the classiness in which that they displayed, uh, you know, their offense throughout the whole game. I, I thought I, I was pretty, my appetite was, uh, was fed. Yeah. I think most fans would be saying that right now. It's not just the way in which they obviously played, but the way they defended against the second best team in in the league and, and going forward and, and scoring goals in San Diego loyal, obviously with everything going on with their club, they're going to, they're a team that's willing to put their entire bodies on the line because right. their the unfortunate their club is, is folding after this season. So um, they have nothing to lose in terms of like 
this is it. And mm-hmm. the Charleston Battery obviously are trying to make a name for themselves again. And uh, obviously they have this season, but to, to clinch playoffs in that fashion against a really, really good side, um, both in possession and, and in attack, like you said, they displayed a a tasty win. Um, it was. So. And, and it was, again, I think it's been really easy to forget all season long that this is a relatively new side. These are guys who are playing together for the first time this season. This is Ben's first season as coach. There's a lot of uh, new aspects to this battery team that I think could have potentially pointed to a few, you know, some rocky points of the season. And, and the season's not come without its bummer losses or maybe a couple drop points in a row. But I mean, largely, and again, playoffs are a whole different animal, but largely, I don't think any any fan or supporter can say that it's been, you know, it's been pr- not smooth sailing, but I think you, you get what I'm saying. They, they've not really had too many stretches where they felt like the sky was falling. You know, they've they're a deep team now, so they have a lot of bodies to choose from. A lot of those guys on international duty, and that usually goes well. So I don't know. I think regardless of how the playoffs go, and then we can, you know, jump into that whole, you know, scenario. Um, it's it's been a massively successful year, but it feels like there's still a lot that they can do. Oh, a hundred percent. I think um, like you mentioned, it's and I think because this team or because the USL is a high turnover rate with players. Some might be like, "Oh, it's it's common for play, for for these te- for this to happen to teams." But like football teams are football teams, and teams are teams in general in sports. New players, new coaches—that does not always usually go well, um, especially when you're going after the best. Obviously, they're the best, so they should perform. But that's that's not how football works. And um, I think you'd say, you could say it's been almost a perfect season, like up until this point. They've done everything that they've asked of themselves and what the fans have asked for. Um, and that's one of the things that Ben Pierman highlighted post game that this was one for, you know, the executives, the ownership, not just the fans. Obviously the fans are always going to be a part of that, but like this playoff push was what the ownership was pushing for. And so mm-hmm. they hired Ben Pierman, um, and Ben Pierman got the job done along with, along with, uh, the full man roster on that battery team. So, and it cannot be done without the fans. So that's always something that they, they, they are that 12th man at, at Patriots point. And that was one of the things that both coach Pierman and just Tristan Traeger highlighted, um, that they're there all season long home games, consistently showing up, chanting yellow smoke, almost making players choke on that yellow smoke. We almost did ourselves, but I died. Yeah, yeah, life flashed before my eyes in that very moment, but um, shout out Andrew Booth. <laughs> you got to love that goal. But yeah, so I think that's that's exactly what you can credit them for. And then, I mean, like the goals themselves, Tristan Trigger. And it, that's that's what Ben Pier- We always I keep I always allude to this, but like Ben Pierman's side, like they they adapt to any team they, they match and aggressive in that second ball win. That finish was was a was a poacher's goal. And the second goal itself, Derek Dawson puts a great ball in. Traeger finds the gap between the center backs and just neatly puts it away um, just before the first half and just after the sec, just after the first half um, or just into the second half. Uh, we mm-hmm. got two goals from a player that obviously has had his ups and downs this season with injuries and inconsistent play. So good to see that on him and good to see the battery make the playoffs. Yeah. And, and still a lot of football to be played. I mean, I, 
the the clinch came maybe at a time of year where I thought it was a bit later. I, I remember checking the schedule today and thinking, oh, there's I mean, they're still going to play well into it looks like October here. I mean, the last match last match day weekend for regular season is October 14th. And then obviously the 21st things will kick back up playoffs wise. So, I mean, just just a you know a little over a month to to go, but still quite a few games and the standings are pretty interesting. Not that you know they're in prime position already they have a pretty decent lead on louisville city that the top three in the east are pretty well separated from the rest pittsburgh's oh, yeah. on 54 points tampa's on 53 charleston's on 52 and then the in fourth place it's louisville with 43 so the top three have kind of outclassed the rest of the field in the eastern conference it seems oh 100 and, and i mean louisville louisville only has one game in hand um it's like so that's not like they're going to catch up off that one game. So mm-hmm. obviously pending Charleston batteries next match or next few matches, but they do face Loudon bottom of the table um, in the Eastern conference. So definitely want, like you said, the season, there's plenty of season left. They want to clinch, um, you know, that home spot that like get as high up the table as you can. You're not far off from the rest. And um, yeah, I think uh, I'm excited for, to see how the season plays out because I'd love to get down to a playoff game. I'd love to get down to the USL, but I don't know where the finals are usually held. I don't remember where it was held last year, but that would be something. I don't know to see. if it's a, a higher seed type th- site type deal where the team with the best record gets, or it's a predetermined site. Um, somebody in our USL contingent, please leave a comment or uh, feel free to yeah. update us on our <laughs> on our is- ignorance. I mean, it would be a good idea for. Uh, I mean. Uh, either on or off mic to do like a USL playoff run through. Maybe next week, everybody will do like a quick, if you're new to this, which you're probably not, but if you are USL playoff crash course, what seedings mean, where games are, whatnot. But uh, that would be really helpful. I and, mean, yeah. you'd think if it was a predetermined site, they'd want to do it at the most impressive USL stadium, which is the, the brand new one, right? Um, or in the one Indies starting to build. That would be. I mean, I think that's like a couple, a year or two away. You know, and just then, have it there every year. That's sort of a win-win. And probably Indies be pretty centrally located to the country too. Yeah, that would be. Imagine they packed out a uh, an MLS stadium, soccer specific I'd stadium. Go. I, I mean, definitely go. I definitely go, especially Charleston Batteries in the final. I, don't, I hate to even like bring it up, but it's occasionally at times it has felt for me, and maybe with with you guys, it's different, but. There is sort of a right now a howler's kiss of death going on at games we go to. Our <laughs> record at games is not. We might great. not want to go. Uh, actually, you're right. Yeah, and that would be. I that wouldn't. Hey, first of all, every fan, I'll look you in the eye and say that would not stop me from showing up at Patriots Point with a jersey on and and losing my shit and, and you know getting rowdy for the boys. No, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. Sometimes it makes me nervous just because I what what is our record? We Vermont did not get a win. Yeah, Hartford got a win. Hartford, the team with the worst the worst record of the bunch of all these teams, is the one who got the, the <laughs> solid two nothing win in the rain. They did. Loudon didn't get a win. Battery didn't get a win. They they drew. And then when I went, they lost. Um, <laughs> That's right. Vermont lost, like you mentioned. Yeah. So I mean, maybe we don't go. Actually, we'll just watch from a yeah. distance and cheer. But next year is a new year. We got to turn it around next year. We'll have better mojo. I think, well, they will. I think this will be the first time they'll host a playoff game since 2018. Um, very exciting. That's very, very exciting for the team that obviously has a lot of history in this league. And, and, um, yeah, I, that would be a fun one to go live for with the boys. That would be 
a lot of fun. I go live for it. Definitely have a couple of uh, playoff games. Get it, that way, when we crack beers, it's not noon. You know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> It's not hey, 11. Which, hey, that's never hey, a noon beer has never stopped me. But eleven a.m. Uh, it would be nice as a natural, uh, you know, progression into the evening to to crack a beer at seven as opposed to fucking seven thirty. <laughs> but uh, we will be there either in in physicality or in spirit. More most likely in spirit. Uh, shout out to ESPN Plus. Catch all your USL action <laughs> on ESPN Plus. And Goals TV, by the way, we should be shouting them out on this podcast too. Goals TV obviously is a great platform to grab all your so- soccer pl- soccer content and USL kind of soccer content. USL, MLS, Prem- Premier League. Traffic is bad nowadays, right? Some of us, you know, I'm on the train for for large portions of the day. At times, I'm on a a better area now. But uh, a buddy was telling me he sits in traffic damn near two and a half hours a day going to and from. My point is, there's lots of time to listen to good soccer content. And what you can do is go to Goals TV, use code Howlers, uh, and enjoy all the content. All caps, yeah, yeah, yeah. All caps, that's (laughs) H-O-W-L-E-R-S. Howlers. All caps. Uh, okay, and more USL news. Uh, actually, unrelated to the Charleston battery, the black and yellow. I mean, you're the you're the expert on this situation, and Andrew, you you give us a little intro on this. Yeah. So exciting news. More exciting news coming out of the USL. Obviously, we love to not only talk about the battery, but what what's going on around the league and growth of the league itself. Correde Osadina makes his official move to Feyenoord, a 19-year-old striker um, for Orange County City Soccer Club. Um, he makes that move official for just over $215,000. That, to me, is just such positive news, not only for Orange County City, but or Orange County SC, but for the USL as a whole. You're starting to see more and more players make big moves. We saw um, Widener make a move to... Benfica, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Benfica, that's correct. Um, and now we're seeing Osundin. I'm, I'm probably butchering his last name, but we're seeing another young player make a big move to a very, very like well-established development team in Europe. Feyenoord is a obviously recognized for its development in players, sending them off to big clubs. Mm-hmm. The Dutch League produces many, many players through their youth system and and from players that they, they acquire early on in their career. So um, they actually developed an official partnership with Orange County City, or Orange County SC, I keep saying City, huh. this past February. So that to me, obviously MLS has, some MLS teams have ties to big European clubs, but um, the fact that USL is getting that recognition is huge. And I think the the youth pool that we're seeing within the USL and and the split up of different leagues. I think you can say the USL championship is a, is such a good nesting pool for, for really, really top talent. One of the things I saw in the athletic article was the comparisons to MLS next pro. It's something that we've talked about um, alongside the USL and specifically development and MLS next pro. Obviously you have ties to those MLS teams and their first teams, but at the end of the day, you're facing against players, your own age at your own level while USL Championship, USL League One, even USL Two, where a lot of those players initially begin. There's more players that are not your age that you get to compete against, you get to develop against, you get to really understand the game at the at a higher level, at an older level, and um, that's one of the that's one of the things the Athletic talked about. Um, but it's 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 just exciting news. I don't know what your thoughts are. 
Uh, it's incredibly exciting news, and there's sort of an extra layer to this that I like especially, and that's that he was immediately loaned, uh, which means he will be getting more football than he probably would have been as a Feyenoord first-team player at this point. Again, let's remind everybody, he's only 19 years old, so that's completely normal, but uh, he'll be on loan with FC Dordrecht, who is in a league below Eredivisie, um, on loan this season. But again, I like that because they're going to use the hell out of him. He's young. They'll be able to get a lot of minutes out of him. He'll get a ton of experience that way. And then he comes to Feyenoord next season, uh, you know, probably a completely different player, a beast. I mean, again, as an American, that's, that's only amazing things for you and I, in terms of the, you know, the amount of big tournaments we'd like to see the U S to compete, to continue competing in. But, um, and some Man United shout-outs, because I know you'll be a fan of this. A couple of Feyenoord graduates, none other than Robin Van Persie and Tyrell Malachia. So those are two guys that came from the youth system. But I'm like looking at the former players list right now, and it is kind of insane. It's it's obviously a system known to to develop people into beasts. But Anwar El Ghazi's on this list, Nathan Ake's on this list, Urian Timbers on this list, uh Justin Belo's on this list. So why Naldum? So that I mean, I'm sure any top Dutch club would just have like a laundry list of just, you know, murders, not literal. It's just a, a figurative term for a, a good footballer. But um, yeah, it's 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 very, very exciting. And I think th- hopefully this just this continues happening. Hopefully more players see, hey, yeah, I'll go on. I'll go to a big club. They'll probably loan me, but I can play for, you know, you, you get to kind of chill when you're on that loan move. I don't know what it's like. I can't personally attest to it, but it has to be kind of interesting, right? Like if you're in his shoes and you're like, I know I have big things coming. I'll be wearing a Feyenoord shirt eventually, but I get to chill in some like gorgeous Amsterdam adjacent city and like drink good coffee and like play on like a cool, loud, smaller stadium, probably where everyone knows my name. And I don't know, all part of the journey, but I'm really excited for him. Yeah, I think... I think that's the right move. You want to see a player like that be loaned off. You don't want to see him just sit in the academy pool Um, because he was acquired. He was bought, obviously, by Feyenoord. When you're 19 years old, you want to play as much football as you can. Um, You don't want to go trade in Orange City for and like consistent football for, obviously, players your own age in a youth system. Feyenoord obviously can develop that, but also they want to get his feet wet into European football as a whole. So sending him and loaning him off is the right move, I think, just to get minutes under his belt. And I think it's going to be a place for him to work his ass off and, and just prove his worth as, as to why they purchased him. Um, one of the things I found interesting in this article was the MLS compared to USL in terms of being a, a, uh, a send-off for these players that want to get pro contracts overseas. One of the things they talked about was longer-term contracts being offered to homegrown talent and that kind of is a barrier to a lot of these players getting purchased because it allows for the MLS to sell them at a higher fee while the USL obviously has shorter term contracts and that gives them the window of opportunity to get bought sooner and for a cheaper price obviously the USL has to make their money they're not going to they're not going to budge on a player that isn't isn't for a good a good value that they get that they get offered so I guess what are your thoughts on maybe the potential of competition that we see from the USL with the MLS? Because I think that's a possibility. We talk about the USL competing with the MLS from a playing perspective and like, or I guess viewership perspective with promotion relegation and, and just like overall watchability. So is there a potential where we see more and more USL players 
I could see un, it. Un, I, un, I, like I think, maybe maybe not big name players, maybe not the Tyler Adams of the world, but right, like slowly start to build, build, build more players transferring from to Europe from the USL compared to the MLS. Yeah, I mean, Ange Ball is a big uh, thing in my life right now and in the Premier League, but. He did give a great interview, and this is not just great because it's, it has to do with Tottenham, but uh, this is great because it's just an awesome thing to hear a coach say, which is uh, largely, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but he's not afraid to go to places like Japan and look at a good university player like Kaoru Matoma. Like he mentioned seeing that guy back in the day and thinking like, you know, I don't give a shit where he's playing now. Like I'll give a guy an opportunity. So same same idea. Someone comes to... I just imagine a scout being at that Hartford game, like in the USL that night, and he's it's teeming rain, and he's like, "Man, this is like some this is like some grassroots backwoods football. Like this is some gritty stuff. Both these teams want to win. It's fast paced, and I think it's I think it's pretty manageable to find really top level talent at places like this. I think the more coaches are willing to open their mind, the more that they'll they'll give opportunities to players. And sometimes that's all the difference is between an MLS guy and a USL guy, you know, at the top level, it's, it's just different opportunities, different exposure. You know, this guy got a certain exposure because of where he's from or what club he was with. This guy maybe didn't. So I think it's great for the USL. And if it creates more competition between the USL and the MLS, then that does nothing but good things. It also, it also strengthens the notion that there should be more serious competition between the two leagues. Like, cause this past year, and unfortunately the story of, of, you know, the competition was like, are we going to even televise these USL games? So, so more of these guys making moves like this does incentivize more televised USL matches. So I, it's just like, there's a million good things I can think of that can come from this. So, uh, from a competition standpoint, actually, which was your main question, yeah, I definitely think it's a possibility because coaches will start to say, I don't need to get a ticket at, to Gillette Stadium on a Saturday night. If I just go up the road to like Springfield City FC, if I, there's like a 6'4 giant midfielder who just didn't play, cl- he didn't go to this certain school, he didn't do this, that, the other. It's like, no, I found this guy and he knows how to ball and more importantly, he like knows that he can ball. So I'm all about it. Yeah, that's like perfectly said. I think identifying oppor- like opportunity is the biggest thing when it comes to footballers. I think I forgot who mentioned it. The level of play. Oh, oh Skage mentioned it. The level of play we see compared to like MLS in Europe, obviously. Um, he mentioned the MLS example, considering that he played for DC United for a stint. But the, like, the level of play isn't necessarily drastically different in terms from an individual skill level. It's how you mesh those players together and create a super, like a powerful team. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of these players are being missed. And like you have the option to go through academy teams for MLS teams or USL, which may offer a faster route to to Europe. Like why not that be the competition for the MLS? And um, more, we talked about it in the beginning of the podcast, the social media content, the popularity it grows, the fun things we see online, the the breaking news of Joshua, uh, Joshua Widener going to Benfica and how that was like, that shocked that shocked the U.S. landscape in terms of soccer because of how it's so grassroots and how big his move was. And then obviously Louisville is a bigger team in the USL in terms of like stadium and money and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's exciting. And I hope I hope we see more of these players go for sure. Yeah, and I think this was something I was thinking of as you were as you were talking about this, but we 
and I think this is a huge part of American culture. We, when the MLS comes up and people that don't really watch a lot of soccer go, yeah, but I heard it's not that good. You know, it's nothing like Premier League. It's nothing like La Liga. And then MLS fans go, well, no, of course not. It's not like at that level. It's different type of football, different clubs, different infrastructures. And then I think it immediately gets kind of dismissed. It's like, well, give me a call when we're with the best of the best. Give me a call when we're in the top three in the world, and then it'll be a big sport in America. But it's like, even if you have huge aspirations, that doesn't even make any sense because look at it. Look at the Dutch league. I think that's a perfect example of like a, 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 a league that can give young top level players an opportunity and exposure to shine and, and show that they can do incredible things with a ball at their feet. Like, and then that, that becomes, like you said, a natural progression towards, towards a, a, a spot on city towards a spot on Madrid. Those that's what happened. That's the that's the natural progression for guys like that. They that say Austin Dina go plays a couple of years at Feyenoord. He does great. He pops off. Then he makes a, a slightly larger move, maybe to Ajax. Maybe he goes to maybe a Premier League team picks him up. You know, like my point is, I don't ever even at its very best and even when it's flourishing top notch, the USA soccer pyramid should not. It's not even with the Premier League. It's not even with La Liga. It's provide. It's producing players like this guy who could potentially have huge success at those clubs down the road. And then you go, you look back and you go, Oh, he was, he went through the, the orange County SC, you know, program. They, they produced a couple really good players. That's how football culture is started in terms of like the progression and where players are produced. Cause it's like, you bring up countries like Portugal. That's a, that's known to produce like insanely good young talents that play for these like in the grand scheme of things, smaller size clubs, but then make really big moves. So I, Again, like that's just sort of my whole view on like the the best case scenario for the for USA soccer. I think I agree. And to wrap it up, I think another example we can see is Dante Pulver going to the battery from Hearts. He he could have he's good enough to play in the MLS. He's playing in the mm-hmm. Scottish League. It's not like he's not good enough. But like like he went. I don't know what the connection between the battery and the Hearts is, but they obviously were able to get a deal done where he can loan. He could he was on loan for a a quarter to half of the probably half of the season. I'd say and. Mm-hmm. That's where you can start to see more and more European clubs be like, oh, my player went to the USL, Dante went to the USL, balled out, now he's playing regular football for Hearts. Like, they're going to see his development in the league if you wanted to, ver- to reverse the situation and be like, if he's going to the USL to play minutes and develop and play better for us when he gets here, what's going on in the USL that I'm not paying attention to, to the talent that we can pick from, like all the other teams and like the player that we just sent there to to obviously get minutes and develop before the season starts. So, Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and you're, you're bang on with that. I also think maybe Polvar just visited on like a nice summer day <laughs> and sat out by the water, and some guy went, how you doing, friend? <laughs> and he went, wow, this is incredible. And he, he has an oyster maybe, maybe drink some Mai Tai. There's a palm tree swing, and he's like, yeah, I could I could probably end up here. Yeah, that's Absolutely. actually a good point too. But <laughs> that's kind of what we do. We sort of drop in every every year. Or so we go, hey, you got room on the payroll? For yeah, hours, boys. <laughs> uh, we'll be back. We'll be back next time. Um, next time. But yeah, you've yeah, th- let the wolf in the hen house with us. I think, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, that's Holy City Sound Off episode seven. Charleston Battery qualify for USL Championship playoffs. Big moves around the USL and great content featuring Dan Kinzemka, friend of the Howlers podcast. 
can say he's a friend of Holy City, obviously. That's episode seven. See you out.